Welcome to All Things Church Planting, a podcast dedicated to empathize with and empower the church planter. We aim to walk alongside you in your unique calling through real stories and relevant topics. We're a production of the 80 plus million initiative of the Central Region of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. You can check us out at 80plusmillion.org. Hey, what's going on, All Things Church Planting? This is Justin coming at you with the Central Region of the Christian Missionary Alliance, and this episode was one of my favorite to record. It was just story after story. That's what it's called, Jesus stories. Just story after story of what God is up to and who he's using and how he's using them. And just like the scriptures, you couldn't conjure this up. You couldn't dream this up. God is who he is. He creates all. He creates wonder. He creates worship. And so I hope you find yourself worshiping like we found ourselves worshiping uh, during this episode because of who God is. Again, I hope this is an encouragement to you. This is all things church planting, and we aim to serve you on this church planting journey. Yes, welcome back to all things church planting. Today we're talking about how stories are important. We believe that the stories you tell uh, are part of the culture that you build. Uh, so uh, the language you use, uh, the things you celebrate, the things you measure, the stories you tell. Stories you tell is one of those pillars that we talk about as, uh, as a culture builder. And we always talk about building culture over program, how culture uh, lasts forever, culture is long term, uh, how we're, we're trying to build uh, cultures before we build something that is quickly built up and then knocked down. And so we're telling stories of the region today because we believe that will help develop the culture that we're trying to develop. And so the stories that we tell are stories of life transformation, uh, really what Jesus has done. Not what we have done, not what we plowed, not what we conjured up our, ourselves by our own efforts, but what Jesus has done. And so we're going to talk a lot about Jesus and a lot about the things that he's done in our in our region. Uh, and, and I believe that uh, Todd wants to tell about five stories, but we're only allowing him to tell two. So because he's telling more than the rest of us, we'll let him go first. <laughs> Thanks, Justin. I- it's a special privilege. You're welcome. Especially so I'm not in my basement anymore. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, here's a fun one. Uh, a couple years ago, um, we got involved in planting a Filipino church and uh, ended up getting a, a planter who was from Saipan. And he and his family moved to the United States. And uh, he's a little bit older. Uh, I won't say how old he is, just in case he ever listens to this, uh, but a, a, an older gentleman, um, godly as all get out, um, quote the Bible up one side and down the other, evangelist at heart, but uh, Filipino culture is an honor-based culture, and um so we were we were in Starbucks one day, and uh, his church planting efforts going really well, and he's being really quiet uh, as we're talking, and and I said Roger, what's going on? And he, he kind of hangs his head, and he said, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I uh, uh, I I promise. Um, but do you think I could ever be involved in planting another church, or am I too old? Mm-hmm. I said. <laughs> Roger, if Jesus tells you to plant a church, you plant a church. Um, I'm not getting in the way of the king and what he wants to do. And so he lit back up, and he just kept plowing. He just kept kept planting the church. And um, about a year and a half later, uh, he has, um, right, right, before, right before 2020 hits, um, 
He's in, he's in Youngstown, Ohio, happens to be in Cleveland, Ohio for a church planters coaching cohort, goes to a, a restaurant prior to our, our cohort and bumps into a Filipino from Cleveland and um, starts a conversation and says, I'll, I'll be back in a month. And uh, in, in between that time, uh, he's in Akron, Ohio, and he bumps into a Filipino businessman there, and they start a conversation. So over the course of about six to eight months, um, he ends up with this guy in Akron who is now gathering Filipinos, and Roger is running to Akron on a weekly basis to just be with this group, to, to make disciples who make disciples, uh, to build a disciple-making culture kind of thing with this group, and goes back to the same restaurant in Cleveland the next month and meets the same person again, and they start a conversation, and, and pretty quick, uh, he's, running, he's running not just to Cleveland, but to the far side of Cleveland, to the west side from where he is, uh, and there's a group of Filipinos that are starting to gather and um, he, he, he ends up building a, an online presence. You know, 60, well, there I told you the name, sort of. I didn't give you the full number, but in his 60s, guy builds an online presence during COVID time. And uh, he ends up with a group of people in, in Pennsylvania, a group of people in California, and a group of people made up of Filipinos from all over the world. And so now he has three online groups that are growing, and they're reaching their friends and inviting their friends. And so here's this guy, uh, a little closer to the number, in his mid-60s. And, he and he's running around like a chicken with his head cut off, multiplying. Uh, literally called me... Two weeks ago, you know, and I told him, Roger, Roger, just, you know, let's, we're not, we're not going to push hard. Uh, we're going to let Jesus birth what Jesus wants to birth in these places. You keep making disciples who make disciples, and, and we'll see what happens. Uh, he called uh, two weeks ago and said, um, so this, there, there's now a group of 40 Filipinos that have met for two weeks in a row in Strongsville, Ohio. Uh, want to know if you'd come meet with them and help us plant plant the next church there <laughs> <laughs> and so I you know and I was like Roger listen um, you're you're not as, I would have loved to have hung out with you when you were younger I mean we would have <laughs> torn the world up uh, but you're not getting any younger what what are we going to do about that and uh, how, do, how do we begin to raise up the next generation of leaders? And um, it was, honestly, it was weird because it was like a light bulb went off on it, in his head and he went, oh, I, I need to start raising up leaders, don't I? Mm. To, to, to take my place. I can't keep doing this, can I? Mm. And so, so in that meeting, he, again, hangs his head and then, and he kind of gets this big, crazy smile on his face, and he goes, I know this person in California I'm going to call, and I'm going to call this person in Arkansas, and I'm going to call this person in Saipan, and just see if they'd come to Ohio, move to Ohio, and help me plant all of these churches. So 
week later, I call him back. Roger, talk to me. How, what, you, you making those contacts? Well, you know, I don't know, I've been a little busy, blah, blah, blah. Uh, saw him last week. Roger, how, what, what's going on? Uh, he said, I think, I think the person from Saipan's coming. Uh, and, and I think the person from Arkansas is coming. I, I told him, I have no money for you. You're going to have to get a job, but I promise you, you can be involved in planting churches. Uh, so it's just like, what? what? Uh, it, it's just so fun because of his heart of humility and his undying commitment to the lost. You know, he, he, should, be, he should be circling to make a landing, right? And, and just kind of... And he's just he's revving up the engine and going, oh, man. As long as I got breath, I'm just gonna keep killing it for Jesus. Mm. Yeah. I love that he's the old guy. You know. Yeah. I think there's something in that story that you were trying to be like, I'm not that old compared to all of you. <laughs> there was something about like you didn't want to name his age because it's probably not as far off from you as you <laughs> think. You know. Easy slick. <laughs> Speaking of circling, the I mean, you, you basically told us his age in the end anyway. You just kept circling. Okay, he's not 60, but he's also not 65. I'm not going to tell you his age. Okay, all right. Sorry, Roger. <laughs> he sounds like the kind of guy that will forgive you. <laughs> so we have a church, an established church, that's been in a large city uh, for decades. <clears throat> And uh, one of those churches that you would peg is probably on its last leg, and you go in, you need some hospice care, and just love those people. And uh, the leadership board that probably, have, no, no joke, average age is probably in the mid-70s, their mid-70s, board of about seven, eight, uh, began to passionately pray for the city. Uh, wanted to be a part of seeing the city transformed. Uh, diligently prayed about that. Uh, at the same time, we had a church plant that had a relationship uh, with this church that uh, was in the inner city of this of this large city, and we coached and and uh, didn't want to make it a Sunday centric, obviously expression. One of the one of the work on discipleship and multiplication, development of leaders, uh, but they started to rent a building downtown. Um, didn't go so well, and they realized two or three months in, into it that maybe we were right and we wanted to focus on discipleship first before even getting a, a building. So they started to meet in homes. Uh, so one day I get a call from the planter and he says, hey, this church uh, would like for me to step on board on staff. Uh, and he said they really want to, to get our DNA of discipleship and of multiplication. And I said, that's the dumbest thing you've ever said to me. I said, this is not going to work. Mm -hmm. I, that is utterly ridiculous that you would consider this after all of our conversations. It seems mean as a coach. It just uh, feels like. Well, they sort of expect it. Okay. So, it fits who you are it's so naturally. <laughs> I have an overacting uh, mercy gifting. So I was demonstrating some mercy with him. And I said, I said, but, I mean, I'm not going to stay in the way because you pulled the Jesus card. I feel like Jesus is leading me in this. <laughs> so what can I say of that? So it ends up they hire him. 
but then the, the miraculous happened. They begin to uh, really dive into discipleship and to small groups and to meeting with the target of areas around their church. Um, they begin to, to really give birth to something that was not them naturally. They did not have a natural DNA of multiplication. So they, they, they began to take steps of risk for people uh, of, of, in their circle in the airport, um, figuring out when they're going to land. They started to take risk, uh, and God started blessing that. And they found out that uh, ministry that they had had turned into uh, a church plant. So we were able to, to make them their, their own community, and they started developing disciples, leaders, conversions, baptisms. Mm. Uh, this, the, from the backing of this church, this church planter and his leadership team began to see the same things happening in, in these small groups. And uh, so now we're, we're looking at two or three church plants uh, formally out of those groups that have the combination of the church plant name and the established church. Um, we started seeing ethnic leaders from other areas target Cincinnati and come into their church and say, can you help us plant churches in our ethnicity, in our city? And it's just remarkable that, it, it, Todd, as it gets back to a little bit what, what your story is about, age means nothing. Hmm. Uh, age of church, age of leaders. Uh, these guys and gals were willing. They just said, we're willing. What, was it, what will it take, and Jesus lead us into what we need to do to see our city transformed? So now we're looking at, at uh, three or four plants now that are impacted by this established church. They gave birth to something that they didn't think was in them, mm -hmm. and God blessed it. Mm -hmm. I feel like I want to tell a story about the district and this this may be cheating but this is what i talked about from the top where it, there, there's no way i could conjure any of this up especially most of us are talking about the fruit that's coming from our basements when we were all sitting in our basements trying to recruit church planners and hope for church planners and coach church planners during covid and um we just had something happen in, in, in really a district and in, in just for context sake our denominations broken up into a region, which is regions, and we're a region. We're seven geographical district, districts, uh, an ethnic association, um, and then we're also broken up into districts. And, and mine's just Michigan and Northwest Ohio. And in our district, we haven't really planted churches. We just have we, we have we don't have a culture of it. We don't have fruit of it over the last decade, and it doesn't really you know. The point is we just, we, we haven't, and so we're, we need Jesus to build something, and we need the power of God to build something, or else we're not going to build anything. So, so we have churches, existing churches, that may have an idea of what multiplication looks like, but we just haven't done it. It's not, the, it's not in their heart. Maybe it is there. We just haven't called it out over the last 10 years. And over the past two years, we have now three mother churches. They all have church planting residents that are going to come out of them and they're going to give them money and people and blessing like 
full blessing, not just like let's march up here one Sunday after you preach for a couple Sundays and let's whoever goes with you goes with you. But like, no, for, for years we're going to ramp this up together and we're going to birth something together. And you would probably think the type of church that I'm talking about has three to 700 people, maybe 1,000 people, because that, that's typically been the group that says we have enough. But none of these churches are over 200 people, and most of them are under 200 people. None of these churches you would consider, well, man, they're, they're busting out. There's, there, there's no scene that they're busting out. They're just saying, we think this is right. We think Jesus asked us to do this. We, we think that the natural birth of disciple-making is church planting. And so if we're making any disciples, then we should be sending some folks. But do you have money to send these people? Not really, but we'll, we'll find it. We'll pray for it. We're at, we'll ask for it. Um, and so we have three churches that are birthing churches, and actually four now. And they're all birthing something totally different, which is, I mean, one, one is birthing a, a micro-church movement, and, and one is birthing uh, really a predominantly Middle Eastern church coming out of a, a multicultural church. One is birthing a Chinese church. One is birthing a, a, an urban church plant coming out of a more suburban area. It's just, it's just the, the eclectic nature of it in terms of methodology, and no one's holding on to it going, our brand is so good. Here, make sure you plant this brand. It's just small churches going, we want to be generous, and we want to see Jesus do something, and we don't really have a huge agenda how that looks. We're just going to pray and ask and be generous, and it's going to happen that way. And we have other church plants going on, but those really stand out to me as the story because I believe that's going to build a culture. Because the other churches will look on, and we'll t those are the stories we're going to tell as we talk about story dictating culture. Those are the stories we can tell. And the other churches are going to look on and go, and they already have, well, we have a lot more people and a lot more money, and yet we haven't even talked about church planning. Um, and I don't know if that's guilt-based or what, but the point is it's going to happen. I don't care. <laughs> if it's a guilt culture, I don't really care. As long as we're planning churches. Uh, but, but seriously, it, it's, it's been refreshing and only Jesus could do that in that amount of time. We talk about this being a long game and I do believe it's going to be a long game, but he also knows I'm impatient at the same time. And so he's, he's helping me out that way. That's a great story. Uh, I have another one of a smaller church that's multiplied and, um, pastor in a small town, smaller town in South Dakota, Steve Walters. So uh, was an avid cyclist. He'd ride his bicycle, around all these tiny towns all over South Dakota. He could bike like lots of miles and he would just pray that God would birth something in some of these forgotten small places under a thousand type towns, industries left, farming has uh, become bigger so there's less farmers and just hard places where the world has shifted and they're forgotten places. And he'd ride his bike, pray for him. And he became aware of some people in his church that were part of a small group, and they all lived in this town that was about a half hour north from his church. And there was a group of about 15 folks that just had a weekly Bible study and small group together. And they've been doing it for a few years. And they thought, well, we're all driving out of town to go to church. 
what would it look like for us to start something in our town and for God to do a movement here? And Steve built relationship with them and uh, the group was led by Christiana and Greg Ostrom, great couple. Um, she's a, she was a teacher in the town, he's a farmer. So S Steve was like, I think these people wanna start something, so you should come. And I was like, there's no church planter, there's no nothing, but you should come. So I went to this <laughs> farm outside of Centerville, South Dakota, and showed up, and they wanted to hear about what okay, church... Wait, can I just ask yeah, what, yeah, yeah. what your heart is driving there? Do you have anticipation that God is going to do anything? You know, the funny thing is my parents are both from small town South Dakota, hmm. about less than an hour from there. And so I visited these... I just can't picture you on the farm, though, man. <laughs> uh, do you even own a pair of work boots? <laughs> Uh, urban chic work boots. Ain't <laughs> <laughs> seen a lick of mud in No, no, we're not putting mud on them. Uh, I grew up in a small town, farm town, but not my not my scene. But there's something about those towns. Even though I live in the city and I was a church planter in the city, and that's where I want to continue to live. <laughs> Please, Lord, let that be so. Uh, name that. I'll name that and claim that. Uh, no. But there is some <laughs> farmer said too. <laughs> there is something in my heart for those places. I under, I get those places because that's I grew up running around some of that mm. stuff, and my both sets of my grandparents were farmers from around that area. And, but I showed up, and I I felt very clearly I was supposed to tell them that I have no pastor and no planter that wants to come to Centerville, South Dakota. I got nobody for you. But if you feel like Jesus is telling you to do this, I will do whatever I can to equip you to do this. Mm. That was what I told them. I, we sat in a living room on a farm, and I think they were kind of disappointed. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, they thought, this is what Jesus is calling us to. And what they specifically decided, and it's birthed out of Christiana, she, she wanted to create a space in their town for people to gather and experience God's grace. And we didn't know if it would be a church or a third space or what it would be. And we landed on a coffee shop, and she wanted to start a coffee shop business as mission. And so we started down that road of, and God opened miraculous doors for them to get a space on Main Street. I mean, it's miraculous, and it's, there's a lot of open spaces in these towns. <laughs> the rent is not the same as some of these other places. But, um, and we just started walking out what that would look like. In the midst of that, Steve uh, got cancer. And... Um, so the last time I saw Steve uh, before he died was sitting in the coffee shop that wasn't quite open yet. Mm -hmm. And we were sitting there, and I barely recognized him, but he was beaming because um, he had driven his bike through this town and prayed for these people, having no idea where a church planter would come from or how a church would get birthed, and God brought this couple. And, and so we had laid out a strategy of what if we just had this so this coffee shop sits under the ecclesial authority of that church. It's a half hour away, so technically it's like a multi-site kind of thing. But we didn't know about starting a service or anything, so we said, well, what if we've just multiplied that original small group? What if you 15 people broke this thing up and started multiple small groups? Um, so the Steve passed away just before COVID uh, hit, and then the coffee shop South Dakota kind of didn't really care about COVID, so they just opened a coffee shop during COVID. It's no big deal there. Context matters. Yeah, yeah. South Dakota, <laughs> they just kind of did their thing. Uh, so they opened the shop, and they started small groups and um, multiplied their small group. And 
before you knew it, they had f over 50 adults in small group. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a town of just under 900 people, okay? So 50 adults in small groups. A uh, new pastor came into the church and they, did, they were invited to do a community worship service this summer for the whole town. They had over 300 people mm -hmm. show up on Main Street and worship together uh, at the Seed Coffee Shop and now the Seed Community Church. Mm -hmm. And now they're going to launch as a campus of the church. They rented out the American Legion. They're launching uh, in about a month a weekly Sunday gathering. But they've already built this structure of small groups that are kind of continue. They have this coffee shop that's a witness to the town. And um, gosh, if every pastor was like Steve, if I was a pastor like Steve, sometimes I just think of the faithful praying presence, trust in God. It's good. Ah, it's just it's so cool. I can't wait to someday talk to him about it. So. It's an amazing story. Mm -hmm. Kind of playing a little bit off of that is the, I know we've often talked about Jesus, just show us where you're at work so we can join you. And quite honestly, a year ago, what the story I'm going to tell you wasn't even on the radar screen. Uh, we had a, one of our churches has had a deaf ministry. There used to be a deaf church in the town and the pastor had passed away and so there was a number of people at this church and there's been crazy things I've learned about the deaf community now over the last year just even an interpretation of a message if they get 60% of it it's amazing and you can imagine what that creates if you only get 60% of what's being shared and um, just through God's divine story and being at work um, a little over a year year and a half ago God brings to town this gentleman that's retired, uh, that's a similar age of our Filipino friend, um, almost smack dab <laughs> at that age. And uh, he's been a part of some deaf church plants before uh, in Missouri. And just divine story that's upon divine story, he ends up at this church. And now, um, uh, about nine months ago, I'm getting introduced to he and his wife and just learning the, the, the heartbreaking story of the reality of the deaf community mm -hmm. and how they're on, on, on an island and globally, um, their unreached people group, less than 2% reached. Mm -hmm. And, um, the amazing backstory is the mother church, uh, the leaders before COVID were talking about our vision is to plant three churches in the next five years. And they already had this one target, and now all of a sudden God is doing this work because COVID hits and they can't gather together, and uh, the interpreters, when they do reopen, don't want to be up front. And, hmm, this is interesting. Jesus has brought us a guy that's been a pastor in a church plant before or helped with a church plant previously. And as the story develops... Um, we're six weeks away from launching the Deaf Church. Mm. And even in the midst of that story is because of where it is in north central Wisconsin, you know, it's a city of 70,000 people, but it's all rural all around it. Mm. And so there's not like a huge Deaf community. I mean, there's more than you would think. But he and his wife have a heart um, to reach the, the Deaf community. 
And so they're traveling to do Bible studies and different things an hour or more away. And they're telling me the story of his wife of being at this um, Bible study an hour some away and this lady that's another half an hour away or something like that. And it's just kind of a matter of fact of, well, Jesus is at work. And um, by the way, this lady came to Christ. (laughs) And, you know, just seeing the network of this wasn't even on our radar um, a year ago. And now we're talking about back to the Fox Valley where there's 300,000 people of this couple coming down once a month. And we know two interpreters that are in the community, uh, that are just ecstatic that there's an opportunity that there's a deaf pastor that has a heart to reach lost people. And so it's just amazing to look and go, wow, Jesus, that, that didn't even exist in our our mind and now it's like opening this world of going less than two percent reached and now it's like okay jesus you got to raise up workers for the harvest like our filipino friend because it's like you know how long does jerry have well he's going to give what he has as long as he has and jesus raise up leaders workers um so it's just amazing to see what we can't see jesus sees and then just the beauty of, okay, we're, we're jumping on this because Jesus is at work in this, and we're going to ride this out. Just beautiful. Yeah, just real quick on that. It is crazy. You think about uh, a few years ago, you know, there, there weren't any official deaf churches hmm. in the Christian Missionary Alliance. Hmm. And um, how God has opened, like we talked about in a previous podcast, how the Lord just opens up doors to places where nobody else is going often. And uh, now there's what? You've got a deaf church plant going. You've got one going. You've got one going. There's a deaf school in Toledo. I'm, I'm waiting for y'all to send me some missionaries. Yeah. <laughs> we got a deaf church plant going. So, so four, of our, four of our districts have deaf church planting going on. Think back to May of this year. Uh, those those guys were saying there were 12 deaf people sitting at our basics training. They said this may be the first time that, and they all come from outside the alliance, right? They said this may be the first time there's ever been 12 deaf church people, church planter types at a, at a training for church planting in the history that they could think of. <laughs> and that's just amazing that awesome. Jesus that opened amazing. doors and allowing us to play. Absolutely. So Toledo's next on the deaf Toledo's church Toledo's next, baby. Come Jesus on now, let's go. The workers. Yeah, y'all laugh, but I wasn't. I was. I'm ready for contact <laughs> afterward. <laughs> I'd share a story from just this last weekend. Uh, one of the largest churches in our entire family of churches is celebrating their hundredth year of existence, mm. and the the piece that's been most striking to me is that church is at a very fruitful, thriving point uh, in their lifespan. And I started to think back through how often do churches get to that 100-year mark, and, and it's not a stuck, stifled culture that's maybe riding out the end of their days, but actually thriving. And part of the the celebration this last weekend was to go back and recount all of the church plants Mm. that they have invested in over the years. And so 
for a long time. We just watched video after video of these pastors and planters telling their story and and all of them ended with thank you to the church for your investment in us. And I started to look at the stories of those churches that they had planted and the the other churches that were then planted out of those plants. Mm. And I was struck by the generosity of this mother church has led to multiple generations of plants where it is just incredibly natural down here in the grandchild, great-grandchild kind of stage of the thing. Very natural for them to just think in terms of multiplication. And so even in the midst of the celebration of what has been, they, they then bring on to the platform a church planter and his family and, and prayed over them to launch them out and yet again to say, and here's how we're going to pour into this next one. And I just sat there thinking that is an example of faithfulness over the long haul. Uh, in the midst of it, that church has has taken some hits in the gut. Like some of the stories have been hard and there have been times where things didn't go in some glorious way and they've stood back up and said, and yet we're gonna go do it again. Uh, thousands of people, thousands of people all around them who have had access to the gospel and now plugged into the church because for the last 100 years, these folks have just been faithful to go do it again. Uh, it's been a, been a beautiful thing to see them celebrated. What an example of a heart of multiplication. I think, I think we all looked back to after episode 11, if you want to go check it out, and realize that we didn't hit one of the most fundamental things when talking about what we're looking for in a church planner. And one of those fundamental things is if you're planting a church, you've got to have a heart for multiplication. You're not just planting one church. You're, you're planting a movement. Um, and so we, we got to see that flesh out through your story. Yeah, and some of these granddaughters, uh, when they plant, one of the first questions they're asking is, who's coming with us? Mm. That will be the next one out of the gate. And they don't have two dimes to rub together to think about the next one out of the right. gate. They don't know where that's supposed to be, any of that. But they're asking the question, who's going to be on the team that we can get ready to go do it again? It's just become... It's become the natural way of thinking through things for them. From conception, mm -hmm. without resource. They're, yep. That, so it's yep. just pure faith at that moment. Yeah. It's good. Beautiful. Justin, I'm going to do something a little bit different than uh, maybe share a story. And that is just related to the fact that I think this whole, this whole thing is designed to encourage people with the stories of what God is doing, either multiplication, church planting, um, so we are seeing a lot of uh, beginnings, but don't have a lot of conclusions. So there aren't a lot of two years ago type stories or a hundred years ago type stories. Uh, there are a lot of seeds going in the ground. And uh, just hearing you guys talk is an incredible encouragement of God's faithfulness to be the one who, who takes those seeds and does something to uh, transform people's lives. So I'm sure there are people listening who can relate to the idea that there isn't some massive story that would wow a crowd, but there are a lot of seeds going in the ground. And 
um, it's encouraging, it's hopeful to listen and look forward to the years ahead of watching what happens when those seeds sprout and grow and then multiply. You got one more for us. Yeah. Uh, so we uh, talk about in this region a shared sense of responsibility for 80 plus million people. And we recognize that in order to reach 80 plus million people with the love and truth of Jesus Christ, we're going to have to collaborate with all kinds of people way outside the Alliance family. That's right. And um, so this is just a fun story of collaboration. You, you go back, uh, I don't know what episode it was, but uh, the story of Ken Hawkins and this uh, dude that was a crazy drug addict, lived on the streets for 27 years kind of thing, held his wife dead in his arm twice, narcander back to life kind of thing and um and, and god's been doing something something beautiful there uh kind of with this idea of planting churches for addicts by addicts and uh, so in their in their second church planting effort guy that's multiplying churches planting a church that plants churches kind of thing uh, they go uh and start praying in a small, not quite as small as you talk about, but small uh, Midwestern town, 35,000 kind of thing, uh, should be a fairly safe environment and yet just riddled with addiction issues and praying on the streets and and getting some connections with some, some addicts there. And uh, I get a phone call from a guy said, hey, I'd like to meet with you uh, and talk with you about this ministry. And, um, you know, you, you start doing ministry among addicts and you get some really interesting phone calls that don't always seem to go the way you were hoping they would go. And he, it, the guy said, um, I work with a group of people that are concerned about the addiction issues in this town and um, wondered, I, I heard about this church uh, and and heard that they might be wanting to come to our town and uh, wondered what a partnership with them would look like. Okay, I'll go have that that conversation. So show up at a, a lunch meeting. It's this guy and two other people from this organization that he's been trying to start. And he said, I just don't understand why I would try to reinvent the wheel. You got you guys are already doing this. He said, we got money. What would it look like if, like, we came alongside you? Would you be willing to take our money? <laughs> let me think about it. Uh, yeah, let me think about that for, like, three seconds. Well, maybe you should pray about it. No, let me think about it for three more seconds uh, kind of thing. And um, he said, we've been, we've, we've been um, wanting to do this. And so we, we began to form this partnership with this guy. And it, it, he's he's from a, a Mennonite church, and uh, so the partnership goes for a couple months. And and one of the the things that they do in this addiction church planting effort is they always want uh, a men's sober minded house, a women's sober minded house, uh, and some transitional housing. Mm -hmm. And so this guy goes, well, maybe we could use our money to buy a house. If we bought a house, 
or a couple houses, would the Christian Missionary Alliance be willing to own those? And again, it was, well, let me think about that for about three more seconds. And uh, so uh, church planter, uh, Jesus opens up a, a door for him to become the chaplain in the county jail. Uh, and that's a beautiful long story. I think it's told in that previous podcast. I mean, this guy's got more felons than you can imagine, felony charges. There's no way he should be, but Jesus opened the doors. Uh, and he, so he's got a job now of uh, being the, the chaplain. And they try to look at this one piece of property. It's not going to work out. They find another piece of property uh, just outside of downtown. There's a house uh, on this piece of property. And actually there's two houses on this piece of property. And actually there's a, there's an old beat up tin, tin, uh, you know, kind of old hotel motel pull up to kind of thing in the, in the very back beat up is all get out. You mean no tell motel. Yeah. No tell motel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So they're going to rent this house to come live in. Uh, and so they, they start renting this house and pretty quick, they've got these addicts that are coming into the house. And so planter moves to the attic and and the the men's house is birthed in this rental property and the, the guy that rents the property comes to him and says hey look i think i'm supposed to sell this property to you and the answer is well we, we don't have any money and um the we start saying to the mennonite guy well you know maybe this is what the lord wants to do and uh the, he, so it, it comes down to well listen i'll sell you the whole thing i'll sell you the front house the middle house and the whole apart or the whole no tell motel in the background and uh, 235,000, which is crazy, right? But $235,000 bill among addicts is a, just a non-starter. And the Mennonite guy comes and says, listen, I, I think I can have a hundred thousand dollars on the table tomorrow for this. And he said, I'll be willing to raise the rest of the money. I'll, I'll find the money. That took about one second to think through. Uh, and um, in, in eight months, that went from a $235,000 loan, which was underwritten by somebody that I don't even know. One didn't even ever go to a bank. There's uh, a private individual out there in the world somewhere that said, I'll carry the loan. I'll give you one year to pay me back. Uh, so 100000 went down on that. Uh, in eight months, it is down to $86,000 left. Uh, in the middle of that, uh, the people that lived in the middle house had always wanted to own a home, got the opportunity to go own a home. So that came open. Now there, there's a women's house. And then the fun piece of this is, is not only is the, are the Mennonites bringing money to the table. The Mennonite guy now has the Amish people coming and redoing all of the, the rooms in the back, and they volunteer all of their time. Come and on, they we know they can build, too. Those folks can build Those folks can build something, right? Yep. And so then the Brethren Church in mm -hmm. town comes alongside and said, hey, we got this group of people that just love to go around and serve, uh, and they're great at, like, just doing menial work, but they're good craftsmen, and the, and so now the brethren are coming over, uh, on you know, so they do these Saturday work days, and you got five denominations. You've got you got the Christian Missionary Alliance, the brethren, the Amish, uh, the Apostolics, uh, and what's what's the other one? 
the Mennonites showing. The apostolics squeezing in. The apostolics are squeezing in, right? Yeah. And, and so, so, and, and so uh, in short order, probably in the next three months, that the whole motel thing will be completely redone into transition housing for those that are graduating from that. So one last piece to this story. So now you, you got to raise money to pay the debt down, right? But you also got to raise money to like rehab right. stuff. And so the, uh, the, the Mennonite and Amish dude come to the conclusion it's going to take about $80,000 to renovate the whole thing with all the donated labor and all that kind of stuff. And, and so, you know, now everybody wants to have a monthly meeting. How are we doing? What's going on? Get, you, get there, you know, the updates on what's happening in the sober-minded houses in the church. And, and, and so that's cool. And I go to a meeting. And uh, the uh, Mennonite guy brings in like a stack of papers and he goes, he throws them down to the church planner and he goes, all right, this is the next set of bills that are due. He goes, I think there's about $48,000 worth there. And then he looks at the church planner and he goes, how much do we have currently in the rehab thing? And, and he goes, I think there's 9000 And he says it like he's just calm as like, oh, we got about 9000 And I'm sitting there going... Oh, crap. <laughs> what, what, I mean, the, they can't just not be paid. We've got to pay them. This thing is in the Christian mission. And, and I'm sitting there and I'm sweating, right? So the meeting goes on and, and, you know, 40 minutes, blah, 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 blah. And then he goes, so we get to the end of it. And I'm still sitting there going, oh, what am I doing? What am I going to, how am I coming up with 48,000? And um, the Mennonite guy says, hey, got one more thing I need to tell you. Uh, the Mennonite church uh, came into an estate. Hmm. And um, last night I went to the, to the board and said, I need 60000 more for the rehab of, of Really Recovered. And he said, they gave it to me. <laughs> so, so, and so afterwards, I was like, Ken, how are you not just sitting there freaking out? He goes, I knew that they had gotten sixty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> you punk! You know? So, so now, now the 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 Mennonite have contributed. I think I think the total that they've put on the table is a hundred and thirty thousand dollars, and it's got to be some Mennonite person that underwrote the whole deal. But it's just so fun that Jesus says, watch what I will do to reach lost people. And, and I'm going to bring people from every corner of the block on this one mm. to make it happen. So, mm. fun one. Yeah. Testimony breeds worship, and worship breeds life transformation, and life transformation breeds movement. And so I just good. been watching. Wait, say that again? <laughs> testimony <laughs> breeds worship, which I think we all felt in here. I'm just... I, I want to just worship. I just want none of us can really sing. That's somebody else's deal. So we'll let. But we all wanted to break out and and worship Kyle's, breeds. Kyle's got a little thing. Yeah, he does. He does got a little, do a little thing. thing. He, he looked like it too, doesn't he? <laughs> you know, you got a ukulele. Yeah, he was in a, they, they never they, never, on, they never put the mic in front of him. It was just his bass guitar. <laughs> <laughs> but worship breeds life transformation because you're focused on Jesus and then life transformation when we're all in a circle just our lives are being transformed that just breeds that just breeds movements and so 
uh, I pray that we have more stories, better stories. There's no uh, better is a bad word, but more stories this next year. Um, and then we come back around the table and we talk about. And if you notice the trend, it was all about what Jesus had done. Um, none of our skills or assets or talents were in there at all, which is, I don't know, it's making me feel some type of way about my job, but it's also <laughs> making me feel some type of way about Jesus. So um, we love you, Jesus, and we thank you for these stories, and thanks for listening.